0: Yes, mail in voting. Wasn't that supposed to be a great thing? Uh, especially in the wave of the pandemic. Nobody wanted to get sick. Meanwhile, they were all out shopping, waiting on those stu- li- two little stupid footprints uh, that said stand six feet apart, uh, picking items off a shelf that everyone had already grabbed before them. But mail in voting was the panacea, it was the solution to all the problems. And there was no problem with the accuracy of the vote. So what was all the hoopla about anyway? Let's just have mail-in voting. Well, apparently Amazon doesn't feel that way. Uh, When Amazon employees wanted to vote by mail on whether or not to unionize, Amazon fought back. They said, essentially, that mail-in voting simply wasn't fair. That the best way to do voting the valid way, the fair way to successful elections is one that was conducted manually in person. Now, if that doesn't beat all. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast, the NPO podcast, as we like to call it. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show and do so either through your iTunes App Store for you, Apple iPhone users, or the uh, Google Play Store for you, Android users. Uh, You can subscribe that way. It's absolutely free. You'll always be aware of every new show that is uploaded. If for some reason you prefer not to use the native podcast aggregator apps available to you in either of those two stores, then simply go there and download the free Podbean app. Podbean.com is our hosting service, uh, and many podcasters use it. It's a great way to listen. You can get subscriptions there also free and you'll be notified immediately when new episodes are uploaded. We'd like to increase the show's popularity, and there are several ways you can help us to do that. The first and simplest one is to simply write a review. Write a review in either one of those app stores or on Podbean itself. Uh, Even if it's a few lines, the more positive reviews we get and the more positive they are, the more likely our show will be uh, discovered by people searching for alternative content in uh, any of those three places in terms of podcasts. The other way you can help us is we're trying to increase our presence through advertising. And we've been pretty successful with a very modest advertising budget, but we can only advertise so much because we're limited in our resources. To that end, if you go to our website, nationalpreviewonline.com, you will find a link there to a GoFundMe campaign that we have created. We're not looking for hundreds of dollars. Don't even think it. We're not asking people to give us $50 or $100 or anything like that. $5 donations are greatly appreciated. And every one of those dollars goes right back into advertising. We're not looking to get donations where we can make a living from other people's donations. We're just looking to try and expand the show as quickly as possible. And the simplest way to do that is with a well budgeted, and structured uh, internet advertising campaign. So if you can help us out there, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, so Amazon, the liberal um, business owned by Jeff Bezos, the one that wouldn't give any help to President Trump in distributing vaccine, but was so quick to offer its assistance to the Biden administration to distribute vaccines, uh, suddenly has decided that... um, mail-in voting might not be the best way because the Amazon employees want to unionize. And of course, they don't want that to happen because if they unionize, wages are going to have to go up, which means costs go up, overhead goes up, and prices go up. And all of a sudden, when Amazon can't beat everybody to death with the cheapest prices, they sort of lose their monopoly. But that's what competition's all about anyway, isn't it? Apparently, they don't like competition. So they want What they consider to be a valid, fair election conducted manually and in person so that they can try and intimidate people uh, (coughs) and uh, not get a union. Now, in point of fact, I don't know how much intimidation they can do I'm being lighthearted in that. Look, my point is, I don't disagree with them. I think the best way to conduct elections is to have it in person, manually, and all on one day so that everyone who votes has all of the updated information that may affect a person's decision in an election. You vote in October, early October, for an election that doesn't come until the beginning of November, and some monumental event takes place after you vote and before the actual election day that would make you change your vote. What are you supposed to do? Ask them for a new ballot, change your vote. I mean, it gets ridiculous. Just asking, you're inviting corruption. And there was tremendous corruption in our election, and they're really dead set against admitting it. And they must really know that people know it uh, because they don't want you to be able to mention a bit of it. The minute you open your mouth and mention anything about any corruption, right away they say it's, it's not true. 82 cases um, thrown out. But as we've discussed before, they've been thrown out based on sort of procedural grounds, not uh, having standing. We, we've discussed all this before, uh, but they don't want to let it go. They want to keep on going with this thing. They want to make you eat it, so to speak. But there was, these cases were never adjudicated on the merits. They weren't thrown out. And there was um, they weren't thrown out on evidence. They were thrown out based on procedural grounds. But the legislatures heard all this evidence. They know there was fraud there, but they don't want even to acknowledge for a second. They were even talking about, well, there was many recounts. Yeah, But what good is a recount, really? If you're recounting fraudulent ballots, ballots from dead people, um, of course they're going to come up with the same count if you recount them. It doesn't make the vote any more valid because you counted it twice or three times or four times. You You can have 100 recounts of fraudulent ballots. It still makes it a fraudulent election. Recounts don't sanitize these things. But I just thought I would share that with you because of the hypocrisy that we're seeing. The hypocrisy on the left is rampant, and that's just a poetic justice right there. It's a complete um, uh, refutation of the argument that mail-in ballots are safe. But there are other things going on today. Uh, Let's see if we can find this one here. There's a constitutional amendment that was introduced on January 22nd. I don't know why I didn't see this a few days ago. Senator Shelley Moore, um, Shelley Moore Capito, she's a Republican from West Virginia, introduced legislation to amend the United States Constitution to limit the Supreme Court to nine justices, the numerical cap that has been in place for well over a century in order to prevent Democrats from enlarging the court's membership. Okay, now a constitutional amendment is not a small thing. You have to get a two-thirds supermajority in both houses of Congress, and then it has to be ratified by three quarters of the states, which means thirty-eight of the fifty states would have to assent to this in order for it to become part of the Constitution. Okay, now this is pretty interesting because some of the arguments that have been advanced as to why we should do this is ridiculous, but I or uh, are, are ridiculous. But I want to focus just on one, to let you know the sort of intellectual vacuum that exists in the minds of our leaders today. One in particular who I happen to think is a very dumb broad, and I use that derogatory term not because I'm trying to be sexist or I... I have disrespect for women. I just really have no respect for this individual person. So anything I can say about her to knock her down a few pegs, particularly since we're in the podcast world and we're not limited by the FCC, I'm happy to do it. I'm referring, of course, to Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. That's right. Wacky Nancy is at it again. Now, Biden uh, according to this article, had flirted with the idea of the court packing during the campaign, but he didn't endorse it. said he was going to appoint some sort of presidential commission to look at the system, which he said is out of whack. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, you ready for this, said that because the U.S. population has increased over the past half century, and a half, more justices may be needed to sit on the Supreme Court. Now, how does that follow? During World War II, we had 150 million people in the country, approximately. When I was going through school, the U.S. population was about 210 million when I was in grade school. Now we're at 330 million. All of a sudden, now, now that we're three hundred thirty million, we need more justices, and why is that? Is that because the workload is increased? I guess so. If we have if we have six hundred million, then we got to put fifty justices on the court. I don't know a single country that, or even a single court, that has the number of justices sitting on it uh, determined by the population. At least, not the court of of uh, of. Uh, final final say, the final arbiter. Look, the federal court system is divided into district courts, and those district courts go into circuits, and the 50 states are divided into 13 circuits. Now look, I fully understand that the circuit courts, depending on the population of a state, may need to be expanded because obviously there's more population, more cases, there's more work to be done. I get it. Why? Because everyone is guaranteed an appeal in the circuit court. You're convicted or you lose an issue in a district court. You have an absolute right of appeal, and that appeal, appeal must be heard, which is why even though there are a lot of judges on the circuit courts, they divide them into panels of three each so that not every, uh, every case gets heard by the full court. In fact, it's very rare. That's called an in banc hearing. Usually, if you have a matter, it goes before the circuit court, and you need to get the nod of two out of the three judges on your three judge panel in order for you to prevail. If you don't get two out of three, then you lose. Now, from that decision, you can either request certiorari to go to the Supreme Court, or you can ask for what is known as an imbank hearing. You can ask that the full circuit court hear the case. They don't always grant it, but if it's a case of um, of some weight and some merit that may uh, settle a larger issue that may be pending in other matters, they might just grant it. So for cases like that, uh, courts like that, circuit courts, appellate courts at the lower level, yeah, the size of those courts could definitely be determined by population. But very few cases reach the Supreme Court. And despite, Ms. Pelosi, our population increasing, the number of cases that the Supreme Court has been hearing over the years has actually gone down. They used to hear something on the order of 150 or 175 cases a year. Now I guess they don't like to work too much. They went down to about 125. They're barely hearing about 100 cases a year now. There's no correlation between the population and the number of justices that need to sit on the Supreme Court. It hears very few cases uh, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Minimal invasion. They clear thousands of cases when they select a case because usually it has a big issue involved so she thinks that because the population has increased we need more judges to sit in the supreme court now this is the kind of i put this on the par of um that lovely lady what was her name used to be the the hostess on um oh what was that show wheel of fortune the little blonde girl who said that when she had to flip numbers, they said, "Is it hard flipping the numbers on the board?" Well, it depends. You know, like a letter W, it's a, it's a lot heavier to flip than like you know the letter I, which is ridiculous because the squares are the same weight. The paint has nothing to do with it. That's about on the same order. She's she's a dumb a dumb twit, Nancy Pelosi, and remarks like this uh, prove it. Now, there's a group of senators that have co-sponsored the bill, uh, and I think that's good that they're doing that. Uh, they're all Republicans, of course. You have Marco Rubio, Kevin Kramer, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Mitt Romney of all people supported I can't believe it. Pat Toomey, Rob Portman, uh, John Cornyn, Mike Braun, um, and so forth. But we have a few things we're going to tell you about Senator Romney and who else I'm looking for here? Uh, Pat Toomey, I'm sorry. Uh, that doesn't reflect so well on them. Um, and I think I will save that for the last today. Actually, no. We'll save something else for last. What I'm referring to is the impeachment trial, the impending impeachment trial of Senate, of uh, former President Donald Trump. Now, there was a vote that was taken today uh, on the floor at the request of Senator Rand Paul. Now, if you recall on yesterday's show, I told you how Rand Paul stood up against George Stephanopoulos on this week with George Stephanopoulos on ABC. Rand Paul, I haven't always agreed with him on everything, but he's without a doubt perhaps the most principled senator in the United States Senate today. He cannot be intimidated. He believes what he believes, and he has a great moral compass. He called for a vote. 40 was a point of order he wanted people on the record about whether or not they thought it was constitutional to go forward with an impeachment trial against a former president since the constitution does not have any jurisdiction over a does not give the senate any jurisdiction over a former president well 45 republican senators voted against holding an impeachment trial of donald trump over his remarks at the capitol saying it would be unconstitutional to impeach a former president. Now that's significant because you need 67 senators to convict a president in an impeachment trial. And there's only 100 in the chamber. So if 45 voted against holding the trial, you have to assume that if a trial were held, 45, just on by virtue of the fact that they think the trial is a show trial to begin with, would vote to acquit him. So you'd only have 55 votes to convict. And that's a loss. That's a loss for the Democrats. Now, what concerns me is that five GOP senators, because the chamber is divided 50-50, sided with the Democrats. Forty-five sided with Rand Paul, but five sided with the Democrats. Who are they? The aforementioned Mitt Romney of Utah, the aforementioned Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, Ben Sass of Nebraska, Susan Collins of Maine, not much of a surprise there. And Lisa Murkowski, absolutely no surprise there. Put those names down on your list. Those are the ones we want to send money to the opponents of when they run. And we're not going to back the Democrat, but we're going to primary these people and get them the hell out of there. Lisa Murkowski has been a thorn in the side of the GOP ever since she got elected. It's time to get rid of her. I think I hear rumblings that uh, Sarah Palin is thinking about running for senator in Alaska. I think she would crush Murkowski. We need to get rid of Murkowski and get Senator Palin in there. That's what I want to hear, Senator Palin. Romney, we got to get rid of him. Now, Romney is a piece of garbage. Romney was the only Republican senator to vote to convict Trump during the first impeachment trial. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he thinks this trial should go forward. But as I told you the other day, They can't. There's evidence now that this thing was planned weeks in advance. So if it's planned weeks in advance, you can't possibly advance the argument that Donald Trump's remarks that day are what caused this um, uh, protest to turn riotous and this assault on the Capitol building. In fact, even if you did try and say that, the timing is wrong because there were people or factions uh, of the radical left that were in there trying to make this thing whipped into a frenzy. They actually breached the Capitol first. It was a Black Lives Matter uh, sympathizer that was arrested, Antifa people arrested. These people were beginning their breach of the Capitol even before Trump began, and certainly before Trump finished his remarks. Uh, So you have to know that this is going to be brought out by his legal team in any trial. So the Senate ultimately voted 55 to 45 uh, to table Senator Paul's point of order meaning that the impeachment trial will go forward. Now, ahead of the vote, Rand Paul said he wanted to force his colleagues to go on the record, and I think that's excellent, because these people get to hide behind these straw votes and things. He said, if we're going to put every politician in jail, are we going to impeach every politician who has used the words fight figuratively in in a speech, Shame. I want this body on record. Every last person here. Elaborating further, Paul said, as of noon last Wednesday, Donald Trump holds none of the positions listed in the Constitution. He is a private citizen. The presiding officer is not even the chief justice, nor does he claim to be. His presence in the chief justice's absence demonstrate that this is not the trial of a president, but a private citizen. And you cannot try a private citizen in the Senate. It's not a criminal trial. Many people don't realize one of the roles of the chief justice of the Supreme Court, it's not often ever called upon. We saw it earlier uh, this year during the impeachment trial is when there is an impeachment of a sitting president. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court presides over that trial to make evidentiary rulings. The Chief Justice is not presiding over this trial because he knows that he cannot do it, because it's not constitutional to try someone in the Senate if they're a private citizen. Senator James Langford is a Republican from Oklahoma. Uh, He issued a statement uh, following his vote after he voted in support of Rand Paul's point of order on the constitutionality of the trial and he said quote this is not a trial this is political theater you cannot remove someone from office who is already out of office if this trial in this trial there is no current president no chief justice and no possibility someone could be removed from office because they are not in any office in a moment when our nation needs to unite This trial will only create even deeper divisions. While a number of Republican senators have faulted Trump's speech to demonstrators as a group breached the U.S. Capitol during the joint session of Congress, many have said it's problematic to impeach a president who doesn't hold office. Well, problematic is a euphemism for legally impossible. It's more than problematic. It's illegal. Now, Lindsey Graham, I told you had been on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo, and he spoke about this, where he said this would destroy the Republican Party. And in point of fact, that's true. Any Republican who goes on record uh, voting to convict Trump is going to feel the wrath from the GOP base uh, because Trump is uh, an incredibly popular man with this base, which is the Republican Party. The Republican Party is his now. And if he decides to create a new party... He's going to leave a vacuum in the Republican Party, and everybody that's worth anything will leave and go to the new party with him. Okay. Uh, Liz Cheney, she's got a target on her back now, and she needs to get thrown out. Now, Schumer, he's saying the trial is not unconstitutional. And, of course, you've got Romney and Murkowski agreeing with him. We need accountability. We need truth and accountability for Donald Trump's actions. His impeachment trial will move forward. He also said that it was, uh, if you listen to it, he had to catch himself that um, Trump was responsible for the erection in the state capitol. Said, oh, the, the insurrection. Now, I told you before, Dershowitz had said it before. He said it last month. He said it's unconstitutional. He's, but that probably won't bother the senators. Again, on Fox News, the... Harvard Law professor said, the Constitution is very clear. The subject, the object, the purpose of impeachment is to remove a sitting president. And there are precedents, one of which is very obvious. When President Richard Nixon resigned because he was told he was going to be impeached and removed, there was no effort to impeach him after he left office because it became moot. So I think this is very good news that I think that the longer this thing strings along, because they've they've, they've put the trial, pushed it back in favor of trying to confirm cabinet appointments for President Biden, they pushed the trial back into February. uh, And I think the longer it gets pushed back, the more emotions will wane and the more people will have a chance to realize They'll put leaked stories in the media. We'll give them all cover so they can say, oh, we didn't know the timetable. I guess we really can't make a case, Uh, blah, blah, blah. Look, this is nothing about removing Trump. He's gone. They're trying to get some type of sanction against him so he can't hold federal office again. Good luck with that one. That's where we are with that. And there's one other topic I wanted to cover before we said goodbye today because it's worth discussing. You know the Democratic Party has always made itself out to be the party of the underdog, uh, the party of of civil rights, the part the party that is, that um, advocates for minorities. And basically, when they define minority, it's basically everyone who's not a white male. If you're a white male, they can say anything they want about you. If you're a minority in terms of your ethnicity. Or if you are a woman, you're automatically part of a protected class. The sad part of all this expansion of protected class status is that when someone in a protected class fails to get a job, or does get, I should say, when they get a job as a result of being part of a protected class, they are now as likely or more likely to have gotten that job at the expense of another member of a protected class than they are uh, of having got it at the expense of a white male. So it's sort of uh, come full circle to the point where it's not such a good idea anymore. But the Democrats are always looking for some new class of people to protect. And so what is the protected class of the 21st century? Transgenders. People who ostensibly are in a transition from one gender to another. Now, I've already told you, about a very, very excellent article that was published in the Wall Street Journal back in 2014, written by Dr. Paul McHugh, the former head of psychiatry at John Hopkins University. The first medical institution in this country to perform what we used to call sex change operations, now they call them gender reassignment. And he pointed out some very interesting things, that these people basically have a mental disease. They have a body dysmorphic disorder. It's no different like I said before than the girl who is razor thin, ribs jutting out. She has bulimia or anorexia. She looks in the mirror, she sees a fat girl. But she's not fat. There's no fat girl there. And the fact that she sees a fat girl doesn't mean we should put her on a diet. We need to give her some some nutrition to keep her alive. Well, some big, burly, hairy guy looks in the mirror and he sees a woman. Well, he may see a woman. People without water in the desert see mirages too. doesn't mean it's true. He's not a woman. And as Dr. McHugh pointed out, we are limited by our science. We do not have the ability under current medical science to change a man into a woman or a woman into a man. All these surgeries do is produce either a very masculinized woman or a very feminized man. That's all it does. It doesn't change one to the other. But what it does do is create some very, very real problems, aside from the fact that their suicide rate is 29 times what it is in the general population. It's created a new way to discriminate Joe Biden signed 17 executive orders on his first day in the White House. And one of them was an executive order preventing and combating discrimination on the base of gender identity or sexual orientation. Well, I guess on the face of that, it probably wouldn't be so bad if we could all agree that there were only two genders, men or women, and there's only two sexual orientations, well, maybe three bisexual. Homosexual, heterosexual. But what's this going to result in? There's an interesting article here in the Epic Times by Jennifer Lal, where she says the executive order is causing me and a lot of my female colleagues a lot of anger, mostly because this is being thrust upon us through authoritative fiat. But that's the way the Democrats do everything. They either do it through executive order, like Obama did, or they go to the courts and they ram things down your throat through uh, hand-picked judges that they could never get through a legislative process. Forget the democratic process. We don't need it. Forget the gains that women have fought for and won over the last decades, gains such as equal employment opportunities, gains from Title IX, title victories for equal opportunity in education, sports, from the executive order. Quote, this is the, what Biden wrote, children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports. Adults should be able to earn a living and pursue a vocation, knowing that they will not be fired, demoted, or mistreated because of whom they go home to, or because of how they dress, does not conform to sex-based stereotypes. People should be able to access health care and secure a roof over their heads without being subjected to sex discrimination all persons should receive equal treatment under the law, no matter their gender identity or sexual orientation. Again, might not be so bad if we were all agreeing that there were only two genders, but that we're not. So for all this talk about following science when it comes to COVID, there's really no science being followed here. No science at all. So what's going to happen? They've just stacked the deck, ladies and gentlemen, against girls and women in sports. Any man who's athletic, but simply quite not good enough to cut it on the playing field with other men, can just easily turn himself, quote unquote, into a woman and have a huge advantage over any true genetically female athlete how are girls ever supposed to win in high school when they're going to be boys dressed in a girl's dress oh, I'm, I'm not I'm not Jonathan I'm, 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 I'm not Joey I'm Josephine give me a break do you think that's fair and let me ask you something take a step back for a second before you give me the liberal answer about how, oh it's discriminating take a step back I want you to imagine yourself as a parent. You know, for years, um, I was not a parent. I came to being a, to fatherhood very late in life. And I've, I've always loved children. I've always liked working with kids, helping them to in, sport, in sports. I think they're adorable. they're the innocent uh, among us. But as much as I have empathy for children, I love children. I really could never truly understand what a parent goes through or what he feels or she feels like until I became a parent myself. Once I saw my little boy born and held him in my arms the first day and fed him his first milk and formula and watched him grow, it was the most miraculous thing I'd ever seen. And I don't know what I would do God forbid, anything would ever happen to him. And I can speak for my wife on that score as well. When they get hurt, and they're hurting emotionally, you hurt. Now, I've never had a daughter. I've only had a son. But I can imagine now, now that I have a child, what would you be able to do to console your daughter who you've raised with a good work ethic, honest work ethic, sportsmanship, fairness in competition. She does everything within the rules, trains within the rules, doesn't use performance-enhancing substances. In fact, if she were to use performance-enhancing substances, she would be sanctioned. Think of this at the Olympic level. Forget going at the high school level, but in the high school level, how is your little girl going to be consoled by you when she gets beaten by what is essentially a boy wearing a girl's dress? And when we get on to the Olympics, any girl who takes hormones, takes steroids to enhance themselves, they'll be sanctioned by the Olympic Committee. But it's perfectly acceptable, perfectly acceptable for a man to call himself a woman and compete in women's sports. He doesn't have to take... Hormones of testosterone. He's got it in spades. He's a man. This is insanity. Insanity. And now you have the president of the United States, soon to be the former most powerful country in the world, thanks to his being owned, lock, stock and barrel by China, saying that this is good. It is the policy of my administration to prevent and combat discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation and to fully enforce Title VII and other laws that prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. It is also the policy of my administration to address overlapping forms of discrimination. What the hell does that mean? The Title VII referred to the Civil Rights Act of 64. Look. Anybody who wants to convince themselves that this is something about equality, it's not. This is the most dangerous form of social engineering that we can get into. This is ridiculous. There are two genders made by God himself, man and woman. There is no third alternative. Look, look, I know people will try and juxtapose this with the arguments made against homosexuality years ago, saying, you know, they're sick, there's a disease, cure them. I'm going to make a very big distinction here. And it's not just an argument of convenience. It's an argument of logic. When a man really feels that he's attracted to another man, that's a preference It's no different than someone who prefers fish over steak. It's a preference. I can't tell him what he prefers. But that homosexual man or that lesbian woman, they don't have a body dysmorphic disorder. When they look in the mirror, they still see a man, and they still see a woman. They say, look, I'm a man. I admit it. I just like other men. I'm a woman. I admit it. I just like other women. And the heterosexual people say, hey, I'm a man. I like women. And the heterosexual woman says, hey, I'm a woman. I like a man. The lack of a a dysmorphic problem or a recognition problem of what they are does not exist in any of the scenarios I just mentioned. Only in this transgender lunacy do people look in the mirror and see something else. It's not normal. It's illegal. It's sick. And it's a slippery slope that we should not walk down. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.